Zen parenting. Zen parenting. Party time. Excellent. Woo, 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 woo. <laughs> um, we have music now that um, precedes our show, so... We have a ditty. I don't know if that's necessary that no, you're no. singing. Well, the, the idea is that the music that kind of blends into the beginning of our show will be perfect with my beginning. Do you think that blends? Do you yeah. think that, that blended? It'll, it's what I call a transition. Okay. Um, we're back. We're back. Zen Parenting Radio, <laughs> our 18th show. Is it really? I believe it's wow, our 18th show. This has gone fast. Time flies when you're having fun. We are having fun. We are. And who are you? I'm Todd Adams. I'm Kathy Adams. Um, we are brought to you by Avid Company, and we'll be talking about that company at the end of the show. Yeah, and uh, last week we talked about um, education. We talked about um, emotional intelligence and how important it is to allow our kids to be kids. And I read something this morning that I thought would be a nice summation of our show. All right, let's hear it. I, I have not yet heard this, so this will be uh, information for the audience and me. Well, when I get up in the morning, sometimes if I like have a few minutes, which is rare, but every once in a while, I'll just read something. Like, you just got to wake up a little bit earlier. Yeah, um, I have some books next to my bed, and and some of them they're just like maybe a, a quote or um, just a quick page about how to have a great day. And and this is one of my favorite books, and it's called. Um, the parents, Dao De, Dao De Ching. Did I say that right? Dao De Ching. Dao De Ching. And um, it's actually spelled T-A-O, but it's pronounced Dao, the Dao. So if you've ever heard of the Dao, this is the parents' version of the Dao. So what this guy did was basically write, um, he interpreted the Dao in his own way, but talked more about kids and how to raise kids. So this is my, this is number three. This is on page five, number three. And it's called Happiness is Contagious. If you always compare your children's abilities to those of great athletes, entertainers, and celebrities, they will lose their own power. If you urge them to acquire and achieve, they will learn to cheat and steal to meet your expectations. Encourage your children's deepest joys, not their superficial desires. Praise their patience, not their ambition. Do not value the distractions and diversions that masquerade as success. They will learn to hear their own voice instead of the noise of the crowd. If you teach them to achieve, they will never be content. If you teach them contentment, they will naturally achieve everything. That is awesome. That is awesome. That is awesome. And that is, I don't know if we were able to sum that up in last week's show, but if we could sum it up in a small verse, that would have nailed it completely. I know. And it like spoke to every single thing about the grades and the achievement and fo focusing on performance rather than focusing on actual contentment. And I think... Um, in the blog I wrote, and even in this um, this thing from the Dow, they talk about happiness. But I really prefer the word contentment because happiness somehow feels too much pressure. Like well, I need to feel really high and, and light. And, and happiness for me is my definition would be it's dictated by your environment outside, outside of right. you. Whereas con contentment is something that could be internalized. So you could be in chaos and other things in your life, but you can still have contentment exactly. at that same time. I, I agree with that definition. So anyway, I just thought that would be a nice way to you know, finish up what we discussed next or last week. Yeah, so if that verse resonated with you, take a listen to last week's show and then also take a look at Kathy's blog, which caught fire and started going in a modified version of viral because usually when you send a blog and you get a few comments and a few likes and uh, this go around, you got over a thousand people that said that they liked this blog. So yeah. obviously you touched a nerve and it's all well, because you're smart. You know, sometimes when I read something, if it really resonates with me, 
what I think to myself is that probably wasn't new information. That was just probably something I already knew that I was reminded that I knew it. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes if I write some something and someone says, oh, you know, I love that or I loved what you wrote, really what I'm thinking to myself is I reminded them of something yeah. that they already knew. That's right. You know, it's something that they hold dear themselves, but maybe it got lost right. somewhere along the way and, you know, in things like achievement and, um, you know, trying to make sure society knows we're happy and all those things. And so anyway. That sounds great. And um, my hat's off to you for oh, you. writing such a good blog. Oh, so thanks. make sure you... Uh, Read it and share it, uh, you listener person. And we'll, we'll post it on our uh, blog just so you guys don't have to go looking for it. Absolutely. So let's uh, – I'm glad I got an absolutely in there. Got to put those absolutely. <laughs> you know, honey, I think we'll always have a few absolutely. I can't not say it. What's funny but... is we say absolutely a lot, yet we taught our show, the content of our show, is that there are no absolutes. There are no absolutes, yet we use it. And you know what I've been noticing? What's that? that? On, um, we watch John Stewart a lot and – <clears throat> Excuse me, and like Oprah, and you know all these other shows, and they use the word absolutely too. So I think it's just. Are you drinking your smoothie while we're doing? Is that show? bad? <laughs> that was my smoothie. It's so yummy. And, you know, that's oh, just what I do. I know. It just was funny because that's the sound that just went into the microphone as you. Well, just visualize a very yummy smoothie. <laughs> that's all right. Anyway, I think we picked up absolutely along the way because I think a lot of people in our society use it. All right. Okay. Let's. Uh, what are we talking about today? Well, I thought we would talk about fear today and how children. I'd rather not. I'm kind of afraid of fear. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's stay away from fear because I'm a little afraid. Because it's a little creepy. Yeah, I might get creeped out by fear. It's a so let's, eerie. let's let's stay away from that subject. What else you got? All right, we're talking about fear. We're going to talk about fear today, but mo I mean, we it, fear for all of us. I mean, we're going to talk in general terms and universal principles here, but more importantly, how to manage when our children are feeling fear. Yes. Because I would say that, um, you know, I get emails from people who have been in my classes or clients that I've had, and a majority of the emails I get from people are about my child is feeling some kind of fear. How do I handle it? Mm -hmm. Or they're exhibiting these symptoms that, that are, you know, come off of fear. And how do I stop that from happening? Right. And my comment back just to kind of start this conversation going is you're not going to get rid of fear. Fear is normal. It's, it's an emotional experience. It's something that we all have, but we all pretend we don't. And a lot of times when we see our children or feel the fear of our children, instead of helping them through it, we just want to stop it. Right. So for example, if it just you don't you don't have to be you, but be somebody else. When their child is being is afraid, they say to them Uh what are you afraid of? Um the kid says, Oh, I'm afraid of the shadow that the light you know, in the closet. Like, oh, well, that's nothing. That's, right. There's nothing to be afraid of. And that's then, stupid. And you turn the light on and say, see, there's nothing there. Right. Right. And so now, you know, whatever, whoever you were just being, the intention's good, mm -hmm. right? You know, yeah. you're trying I'm, to I'm say, trying to be a good dad. Right. You're trying to be a good dad. And, and my kid is afraid, so I'm going to try to remove that fear from his consciousness. Right. And <laughs> good, good luck with that. And you're telling me <laughs> that that is not a good idea. Well, what I'm telling you, if I was to, again, sum this up, is instead of trying to remove a fear from someone's consciousness, which is virtually impossible... It is to help them process through the fear, acknowledge the fear, validate the fear, not validate it like, oh yeah, I'm scared too, but validate it like, wow, I understand why you're afraid or I'm hearing you. Mm -hmm. I hear you that you are afraid and then help them move through it. Right. Because in the long term, what you want your children to be able to do is understand that fear is normal. You're going to feel fear. Right. But how do you deal with it? Do you push it down? 
suppress it, suppress it, repress it, whatever word you want to use here. Or do you look at it and say, okay, I'm afraid. Here are some tools that I can use to deal with fear. So if you are saying here's some tools that is not trying to remove the fear from the kid who's afraid of whatever you are in, in um, using another set of words, you are trying to give them some support to help them work it through instead of to suppress it or remove it. Exactly, because honestly, Todd, do you think that we can remove fear? Um, I think that maybe if you're afraid of the dark, you turn the light on, then you can remove that. Momentarily. Right. But then what happens when it's dark again? Or when you close your eyes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It does get a little dark when you yes. close your eyes. Um, so I guess my point is, is that you may remove it, but you don't remove the fear. You change the situation. Right. You, and that to me is kind of like a repressing, yeah, you, you know, transfer it from one thing to another. And right. you're saying that that might be baggage created later on. Or Maybe. Like and, and again, I don't even want to get too deep about if you, if it's dark and you turn on the light, you're creating baggage because that's still <laughs> an extreme. But I think what I want to focus on is instead of trying to pretend that, oh, you know, it, you shouldn't be, it, the thing that I hear parents say all the time is don't you be shouldn't afraid. be afraid or that's afraid. silly that you're afraid or my, my least favorite, you are too old to be afraid You're of eight that. years old. What are you afraid of that for? And you know what, guys? Guess what? I have a confession. I get afraid about a lot of things and I'm 39. Yes. I'm, I'm not 40 yet. I'm you will be 40 I will soon. Be. But I'm and afraid. And I'm 38. I, I just want to declare that. you're going to be 39 in like five days. Yeah, not yet though. So yeah, get ready. Yeah. Um, so you're older than me. But my point is. Oh, sorry. I'm still older than you. <laughs> <laughs> the moral of the story is you're older than me. I'm, I, am married, I am married to an older woman. <laughs> okay. I am 39 years old. Am I distracting old. you? Yes, <laughs> because I'm going into that laugh. Sorry. Sorry. I'm 39 years old and I am afraid of a lot of things. Now, I could just be afraid and stay home and, you know, just not go out into the world. Mm -hmm. Or I can learn how to deal with my fear. I do a lot of presentations. Yeah. I do a lot of standing up in front of groups. You think that I don't feel, I mean, I tend to use the word I feel nervous or whatever. But, you know, it's a derivative of fear. I get anxious. I get worried. I get fearful. I get nervous. But I have learned how to breathe through that, to find some confidence that everything's going to be okay, regardless of what I say or do, it's going to be okay. So I've learned to work through the fear. And that is what I want to teach my girls, because if I teach them to run away from the fear, mm -hmm. then they're not going to do things that are scary. Well, and if you have a story for our kids that, hey, when mama goes and talks to people, sometimes I get nervous and afraid. I and, do that all the time. And then that will give them the permission to not feel embarrassed that they're afraid. So Because I think especially maybe with boys, um, boys are taught, oh, you're a boy, don't be afraid. And, you know, everybody gets afraid. You know what can happen? Can mm -hmm. I give an extreme sure. just so to kind of jolt our audience into thinking about this? Fear, if it is suppressed, repressed, pushed down, can turn into something else. Like there, I would say 99, if not 100% of the bullies out there mm -hmm. are really children who are super fearful, right. who have no confidence. Um, confidence in themselves and who are so afraid that people may figure them out or not like them or whatever it may be that they decide to turn that fear around and push it out into the world. Yeah, if I'm if I'm on the playground and I'm a boy and if I am bullying little kid, you know, other kids, then it distracts anybody from seeing who I am. Exactly. And seeing your fear. Right. If I put fear into other people, and I think that's the same thing with super competitive people. Mm -hmm. They're so afraid 
of not being the best, mm-hmm. whatever that means. This kind of connects to last week's show. Right. They're so fearful that they have to be better and mm-hmm. they have to beat everybody and right. they can't see people for who they are. They can't see themselves. Right. And so you see how fear can take on a life of its own and become a part of a person's identity and they need to keep up that facade or else they would have to feel that fear. And then all of a sudden they're putting on a mask that is not authentically theirs and, you know, the more masks that you put on, you know, that all of a sudden you lose yourself. You're like, who am I? Abs- and yes. it starts when you're young. Exactly. So if we could give our kids some tools to understand that fear is a normal thing. Yes. And some other tools like breathing, and I'm sure you're going to come up with other ideas at, on the show, but uh, it might be best to kind of throw out some examples. Okay, because well, we've had some in our own family. We are parents of three girls, as most people uh, listening knows, and, you know, there's, you know, it didn't take us long to come up with a list of things that <laughs> our daughters were afraid of. Let's start with the, the Cookie Monster fiasco. When JC was two, was she two? <laughs> she was two. Um, we thought it'd be fun, or maybe it was my idea that I would go rent a Cookie Monster costume, and it's yeah. one of these big kind of. It's it's pretty physically large. Yeah. And well, it's the big head. It's thing. the huge head, and it's Cookie Monster. Plus, and she it, loved Cookie Monster. She was very into Sesame Street, and her friends did too. We had this great play group. Who these women are still my friends, and their kids are still wonderful. Um, but we had this great play group, and so I wanted to do something kind of entertaining. The biggest bummer about the costume, if I can just be tangential for a second, is that Cookie Monster's eyeballs didn't roll around. Yeah, I know. You they like were still. Cookie. So it didn't even look like Cookie Monster. It looked like Furry Blue Monster. And maybe that was the <laughs> you name. You know what? His name that was, was Furry Blue Monster. Yeah, they probably didn't buy the rights to Sesame Street. Exactly. So they decided to come up with Furry Blue there Monster. There was Furry Blue Monster and, of course, Furry Red Monster, which was which Elmo. Which is Elmo. Yeah. So we, um, I got into a big Cookie Monster costume. And it's funny because we let JC see it beforehand. Right. We tried to prepare her. I even put it on my head and then took it off so she could see it was still daddy. Mm-hmm. So when it was time to actually have the party where we had family and friends that she wouldn't be afraid. Well, it was time for the party. I came down the stairs with a bunch of Chips Ahoy cookies <laughs> and I started chucking cookies into my mouth and they were all over the floor and JC sprinted in the other direction holding your leg. Yes, and she was scared to death and if we could just, because this is a long story, we'll cut to the chase, is that she was afraid for a long time. I'm, th- yeah, she would, every morning she would say, Daddy, Cookie Monster isn't coming today. Right, and she'd say, why were you Cookie Monster? Why were you Cookie Monster? And I said something like, well, it was a party. I needed to right. entertain, I guess, whatever I said. But she was afraid for, I think, literally a year. Right. A year. Or she would talk about it, which I think was her way almost, of dealing with the fear. Almost every single day. Right. And then how did we resolve this? Well, eventually, I think you're right. I think it was after about a year. I, I, I was working, you know, on some of these things for myself, too, you know, dealing through some of my own fear and working with a teacher. And I remember finally saying to JC, sitting down with her and saying, honey, I am so sorry we made that choice. Mm-hmm. I am so sorry that we scared you with that choice because we thought it would be fun, but it wasn't. No. It scared you. Instead of going into the rationalization of, you should have thought it was fun. You love Cookie Monster. You know, you know how ungrateful are all the things that parents may end up saying. I finally apologized to her sincerely, like looked her in the eye and said, I'm sorry. And guess what? It went away. It went away. She just that was needed... the end of the conversation. Yeah, and the idea of a two-and-a-half-year-old knowing that 
she was waiting for us to apologize for it. Actually, you did it. I didn't acknowledge do it. our acknowledge um, it. As soon as we did that, it was lifted. It was gone. Yeah, she she because the question always was, why did you do that? Like, mm-hmm. why did you scare me? So that was one. And let's sh- share one more story. Both girls were afraid of their fan. In uh, their room. Yeah, the ceiling fan. And they thought would, it looked like a spider. Yeah, and we would put a sheet over it, which drove me nuts. Right, because every night it was part of the routine. We had like a, you know, what's it called? The sheet, the fitted sheet. Yeah, the fitted sheet would just go right over we, the fan. We put it over the fan. And I'm sitting there like an idiot putting a fitted sheet over a fan, and I'm like, what am I doing? Right. And I was doing it to remove the fear from her, from their existence, right? Now, I look at that a different way. Okay. Okay. They said, because this was their plan. Right. They said, and I'll I'll just say it's one, but it was both of them. She said, that fan really scares me. I don't want to look at it at right. night. And so I said, what do you have any ideas? What can we do to help you sleep? And she said, cover it up. So you and I um, got creative and figured out putting the fitted sheet. And she would have a really huge sense of relief with that. So I looked at that not about so much, um, you know, re- pushing it down as much as listening to her and validating because eventually we got to the point where we said, should we put the sheet up? And she said, no, I'm okay now. But I think in the moment we validated the fear rather than said, that's stupid. That's Mm -hmm. silly. You shouldn't be afraid. We said, okay, what can we do to help? So So the sheet was a tool. So you can go into problem solving mode a little bit. You don't, it's not like you just sit there and let them process and feel the fear and validate it. If there's something you can do to work through it, then you can do that. Yeah, and I'm sorry if I didn't if I wasn't clear about that before because tools take on many a tool can be something that's internal mm-hmm. and a tool can also be something that's external. Yeah, it could be a logical answer to yeah, a problem. Exactly. Like, okay. you know, a tool for me, you know, we were talking about when I get nervous or when I have a fear, sometimes I wear a certain necklace mm-hmm. or I wear a certain I do things that might be a little more on the superstitious side or something that might be on the more spiritual side. Right. And not everyone's gonna do that, but I also do things like deep breathing. We come up with our own tools and I think the important thing for you know, parents who are listening, ask your kids, mm-hmm. what can I do to help you? How can I make this better? Rather than you going into problem solving mode and tell them how you're going to solve it, right. ask them, okay, you're afraid of this. What can I do to help? What are some of your thoughts? And then if they say, I have no idea, say, well, let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Let's, let, let me throw out a few ideas and you throw out some ideas because you want to engage them in that process. Right. I'm just having some flashbacks of when our kids are really young, like when they're one or six months or a year and a half. And they can sleep. They can sleep in total darkness. I know. There's no closet light. There's no night light. There's no nothing. And I think it's because they've been taught not to be afraid of anything yet. Well, can I give you a great quote? You sure. just gave me a great opening for it. it's a Marianne Williamson quote, mm-hmm. and it's love is what we're born with. Mm-hmm. Fear is what we're taught. Mm-hmm. Okay. There you go. And when I say taught, I I know you parents aren't you know, literally teaching your children fear, like I'm going to teach you to be scared. But as our children get more into the world and become more cognitively aware of things, fear gets creeps in there where they're born pure love, pure trust. Yeah. They're not afraid of anything. No. And you know, my logical brain says, well, maybe their brain's not developed enough to be afraid of anything, but you're saying, you know, however they start building up these thoughts of worry or fear it just it kind of happens as part of growing up well and so there are some logical parts to it yes their brain does develop more so they become more aware of all the pieces of life and things that can happen but you know what i think or i'll just speak for myself i my work has been for the last 10 years and i hope for the rest of my life is to get back to that place of trust Mm -hmm. i know i'll never go back to being an infant nor Mm -hmm. do i want to be i like my logical brain too 
But I want to go back to that place where I trust my instincts and I trust, you know, life and I trust that, you know, my own choices and I trust who I am. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what babies do. And that's been my work. Mm -hmm. And I, and I know I'm not alone. I know there's a lot of people who go back to the question, who am I and who do I want to be? And really that's getting back to a place of trust and love. Right. And uh, we did a show a few weeks ago about the difference between your thoughts and your feelings and your heart versus your brain. Yeah, heart versus head, right. So it kind of gets into that discussion in our, in our final thought on that was it's not about being more one than the other it's having a foot in both worlds it's being able to trust yourself and also be realistic about the world you know I can trust myself and who I am but I'm still not going to leave all my doors unlocked and you know tell everyone come on in Mm -hmm. you know there's still a sense of having responsibility but you can also have a deeper trust and love for yourself absolutely absolutely Um, are we going to talk about any other examples of I think I think we should talk about the big example. Puddinghead? Puddinghead. So you 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 tell this well, story. Well, and I don't know if there's going to be any resolution to it because we're still kind of in the middle of it. Well, but that's good because okay. I want to talk about what we're trying to do now because okay. we're I don't we don't need to sum it up or wrap it up. But. I am involved in something called Indian Princess, which is basically a group of uh, dads and daughters who go on campouts three times a year. And as part of these campouts, they have something called Puddinghead. And put a hand is it started out as this idea of having like some type of stuffed sock, and then w- there's the the Indian princess is um, separated into d- different tribes, and there's one tribe and in one cabin, another tribe and another cabin, and the idea is to put Puddinhead in the other person's cabin without them seeing it. Right, and you don't want to end up with Puddinhead. Everyone's trying to get rid of Puddinhead. And if you end up with Puddinhead, then it's like seven years of bad luck or something like that. Yikes! Yes. Oh my gosh, I can't stand that. So there are um, girls that are in charge of this, and they're between five years and like 11 years old, and Puddinhead ended up evolving to the scariest-looking doll that you've ever seen. Like Maybe we'll even put it up on the website. But there is, it looks like Chucky... But ch- Chucky more evil than the it's like a Chuck. doll, and its eyes have been colored in black, and it's got a crazy like mohawk. Yeah, and it's, it's just a freaky it's looking just freaky, thing. Like but, it freaks me out. Right. So I can't imagine what it does to Cameron. And Cameron is um, the youngest. The you she's on the, the youngest is kindergarten for these campouts, and she is in kindergarten, so she is one of the younger girls there. But this whole concept not just whether or not she gets put in head but just there's some anxiety around it who ends up with it and then when she looks at it it scares her and it is imprinted on her brain where she feels like she sees it everywhere and she wouldn't stop talking about it for the two-day camp out like right. that is the only thing that she talked about right. and then when she got home she talked to skylar our three-year-old about yeah. it and all of a sudden skylar's scared of something that she's never seen before well yes and no i don't really think skylar's afraid of it i think skylar's bonding because skylar hasn't had any issues with sleep she doesn't talk about it but she bonds with cameron about it almost like she's carrying some right. of that weight for her right um, but Cameron has been talking about it um, incessantly, and at nighttime she will come to me, and this has happened three, four, five times, and she'll say, "I can't get it out of my head." Mm-hmm. And again, I, you know, I feel like a lot of parents, um, when that happens, we would say, "Well, then you're not going to go on the camp out anymore," right. or you know, "Well, you better stop, or else you're not old enough for this," or "That's silly. You're, it's been a week." Right. And I think this is kind of where the the learning or the teaching or whatever comes in, where just hear her just you know like when she's come to me and said that i've said wow you know i understand it sounds like it's still really scaring you what are some things you know you think we can do 
And together, we finally came up with an idea where she was going to draw Puddinhead and kind of, you know, what we said is, let's get it out of your head. Let's spill it out of your head and put it on a piece of paper so it doesn't, because it becomes bigger in a kid's head. If they think about it and they can't process it or get it out of their system, it becomes bigger. So let's draw the picture. So she's been drawing pictures. And then last night, she came up with the idea to flip the page over and to write things that were quote unquote real. Which means things that she loves. Right, the opposite of put in head. The opposite of put in head. And isn't that adorable? And she wrote, let's see, she wrote heart, mm-hmm. stuffed animals, mom, dad, aunt, uncle, cousins, grandma, grandpa, uh, and a few other toy things. Mm-hmm. But just adorable. Like these are the things that are real. And then she slept with that facing up so mm-hmm. she could see it. And I think that's a fabulous tool. For her. I, I agree with you. And, uh, you know, I never would have dreamed of that as being helpful. But, um, you know, Puddinhead hasn't been really talked about much in the last, you know, few days. So hopefully that, um, that'll that help. But like I said, I still don't feel like this is resolved. It's not. She's going to keep talking about it and we'll come up with new tools. But I think the worst thing we can do is put down our foot and say, stop being scared. So what about the idea of me talking to the Indian princess dad saying, hey, listen, let's can we not make Puddinhead so darn scary? You know what? I think that is possible. Like if you want to talk to them and say, hey, can we lighten this up a little bit and not make it so heavy? That's fine. But my work as a parent is with Cameron. Right. I'm, I, I'm all for parents who go out and advocate in the world and change things in the media and everything. I, I, I totally get it and I understand and I've joined some of those causes. Right. But my work right now is helping Cameron deal with her fear. Not, I'm not going to say, well, this, this is all the fault of Indian princesses and make them change. I'm going to work with her mm-hmm. and help her deal with it. So the next time something like this happens, because it will, mm-hmm. if it be an Indian princesses or something else, she has more tools. Well, and I think we'll probably attack it from both ends. You helping her process it and me, because, you know, this is not a one-time shot. We went on a camp out last fall and the same thing happened and i have a feeling cameron is not the only one oh, I'm sure. in this indian princess group that is having this baggage on pudding with little pudding so yeah i am going to advocate and i'm going to put myself out there because none of the other dads are saying anything and i'm going to be the one okay here comes todd <laughs> well let's let's talk about the difference between saying something and demanding it right. you're going to go in and make a suggestion if it doesn't change right. then you know then it's our decision do we want to keep doing this which i think of course we do it's right. a great organization or you know can we make continue to make suggestions but to go in and completely demand mm-hmm. um, because a lot of the girls in the organization are older and they love it they love the idea of Scaring these little five-year-olds. Right. Well, or scaring each other, right. you know. But um, so. Um, okay. Um, anything else that you want to talk about before we get into the promotional part of our show? Well, just that um, fear is normal. Fear is normal. Instead of telling children to not be afraid, talk them through why they're afraid, help them with tools to deal with their fear, allow them to have the space to talk about it, and don't put a time limit on it. Mm-hmm. I think fear is a lot like grief sometimes. We all have our own time limit, and, and if even if something happened three weeks ago, if they come to you and they say, that still scares me, say, okay, well, let's keep talking. And we dealt with Cookie Monster for 365 yeah. days. Exactly. That's my point. So, yeah. so anyway. Um, why don't you promote your book? Um, Self-Aware Parents on my website. and um, uh, It's Mother's Day on Sunday. It's Mother's Day on Sunday. I don't know if I can get it to you on time, though. Maybe. Maybe. Or um, if you order through Amazon, you could get it in a few days for yeah, sure. I suppose so. Yeah. Start with, yeah, Amazon. Amazon, you could get it You can to definitely Day. get it, uh, yeah, because it'll be there by Saturday. Yeah, exa- exactly. So order it through um, Amazon if you need to. And... Um, 
And that's all I got. It is a perfect gift for um, a wife, a sister who's a mom. An expecting parent. An expecting parent, an aunt. An aunt, yeah. Not, not an uncle. Grandparents. Be- I've had a lot of grandparents tell me they like the book. I, I think it's a good reflecting book. That's like, right. It's multi-generational. It is. So um, so that is that. And then um, Avid Company is the name of our sponsor. A fantastic sponsor. And they do rehab and remodeling in the Chicagoland area. Basements, kitchens, bathrooms. Call them. Have them give you a quote. I think you will really love them, but at least make them part of your, you know, possible list of people to um, uh, help you with your house because they're wonderful and we wouldn't be promoting them if they weren't. Their number is 630-956-1800 and you can also catch them on our website with the uh, link um, www.avid.co.net. And then lastly, it's my movie line time. Okay, quickly. And the movie line is going to be, Dong, where is my automobile? Dong. So if you know what that's from, then go ahead and enter your thing into Facebook. Awesome. Yeah, we've gotten a lot of people who have said things on Facebook. Keep it coming, guys. Win a free book. Win a free book. Um, So with that, this is Todd Adams. This is Kathy Adams. Saying we'll see you next week. See you next week. Adios. Thank you.